So I want to become a dog trainer. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Are you looking for the ideal gift for the dog-loving children in your family? Jack and Billy Puppy Tales is a delightful story with an important message for children of all ages. It's written by Steve Goodall and Sally Bradbury. You'll follow two puppies, Jack and Billy, during that all-important first year of their lives. It's had some amazing reviews from some of the top dog trainers in the world. Dr Ian Dunbar, veterinary behaviourist, says... I started to smile after only four pages. I couldn't put it down and at the end I could barely read for tears of happiness. This is a wonderful book. Karen Tong, dog training instructor and child dog bite prevention educator, said this. This will definitely educate both children and adults about the correct way to bring up a puppy. It belongs in the home of all dog lovers and anyone considering acquiring a puppy. You can find us at jackandbillypuppytails.com and join the adventures. We're also on Facebook, Jack and Billy Puppy Tales. See you soon. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs. Barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs So barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs And barks from the bookshop, Hello, how are you? I'm very good, I'm very good And hello lovely listeners, bookshelvers Hello, I think this is going to be a popular one, don't you? Judging by our Facebook page I know I know. I'm nervous. I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous because of the amazing person that we're talking to today. I'm nervous because I don't know a lot about this subject. So I'm here, I'm here to sponge some stuff up myself. Yeah. It's also, well, me too, mate. Me it's also, too. I'm um, not... it, 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 it's a, a polarizing. Is that fair enough to say? Can be. Emotive. Yes. Emotive. That's a good word. 
Mm. Yeah, the world of nutrition. Indeed. Nutrition. I just just a little spoiler there. I just started, but just before we started, I asked Nat if a nutritionist is an actual thing. <laughs> gives you a le- gives you an idea of the level of uh, intelligence I'm coming at this um, <laughs> from. Only because I've seen some real whack jobs describe themselves as nutritionists. So um, yeah, that there that, are some there's some woos about, there's aren't there? Some wacky people around, aren't there? There is, <laughs> there is. Um, what have you had to eat today, Nat? Anything good, nutritionist? Uh, nutritionist. Uh, <laughs> yes, talk. actually, my lovely husband uh, took me for a picnic. Ooh. He'd, he'd made he'd made a, a couscous and cucumber and uh, um, that word I can't say quinoa thing quinoa, uh, with go, olives and uh, I had some watermelon and uh, a couple of sneaky crisps. Well, that's about as nutritionist. That's about as nutritional <laughs> as it gets. Pardon? Yeah, <laughs> hey, so that's good. Most oh. of the major food groups in there. Oh, well so, done, Jane. Good. Eat yeah, the rainbow. Good. That's what they say, isn't it? That's what people say. Yeah. Eat the rainbow. It was very, it was very multicoloured, actually. It was nice. But I got, I got myself in trouble once because I heard eat the rainbow and then I spent a month just eating Skittles and that was... Uh, <laughs> I do love a Skittle. That ended badly. Have I ever told you about my milk, my cereal diet incident? Oh, yeah. Didn't you make yourself poorly? <laughs> I, yeah. So I heard once, uh, this would be in the 90s, I reckon. Do you remember the 90s? Um, yeah. that you could lose a bit of weight by just eating cereal. And I was, at the time, I was a cerealaholic. So I'm like, yes, I'm down for that. I, of course, I just eat cereal. So I, like, I bought myself like about three tonne of crunchy nut cornflakes. Um, <laughs> and I tell when I used to work at um, an aircraft inspection factory. It's a long story. But, um, but I basically took in loads of milk, loads of cereal to that. And I'd have like, for my breakfast, I'd have cereal, lunch cereal, and then I'd have cereal for dinner. Although, being classic Steve, I hadn't actually read the proper cereal diet, which is you're supposed to have cereal for breakfast, cereal for dinner, but then a nutritious, healthy, balanced yeah. meal. But I just Plus, went... also, I don't think crunchy nut cornflakes are yeah. what they were. <laughs> they are basically sugar. <laughs> that was a, that was another that was another reason why it didn't go well. But anyway, I did I did. <laughs> I'm not joking, four weeks just eating cereal. And what I ended up with, listeners, is a it's a very rare, it got misdiagnosed as an ulcer for about two months. I had a real bad pain in my in my mouth. And what I actually had is because so much calcium because of all the milk, God knows what the sugar was doing to me, but it made yeah. like this tiny little stone um grow in my saliva duct. Um, and it wow. had, had to be removed in the end, it, but it meant, meant that every time that I my mouth was producing saliva, I was in insane agony. So there you go. I did that, so no one else has to go through that pain. So if you've ever, that... you are like the gift that keeps on giving with these stories. You know, <laughs> I mean, before I I probably would have thought that eating crunchy nut cornflakes for every meal for four weeks would be fine. <laughs> now I know that it can lead to calcium stones there or whatever they still got it still got the little stone in a little pot they go they gave it to me <laughs> in a little pot and I, I had to have a local yeah local anesthetic so i could feel them pulling on it as well it t- took some getting out so i had to get a little set of tweezers in in the duct and then yank it out it was horrific and it sounds i horrible i think i basically kept the like because it kept getting misdiagnosed as an ulcer because it was just a big lump and it's quite rare apparently because it turns out not that many people just eat cereal for four weeks <laughs> Um, it. Yeah, I um, I just I just bought Bongella upon Bongella upon Bongella, and I was just slavering that stuff all over my face, <laughs> um, to no effect because it wasn't a blooming ulcer. So you went from the crunchy nut diet to the Bongella diet. I remember my doctor's face, and 
it's like, has, has anything changed? I, I don't understand what this is. We don't know why this is going, what not's going away. Has anything changed in your life, your diet? And I was like, yeah, I just, I have just eaten cereal for four, <laughs> four weeks. And his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, the past. Remember the past? Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what else have you been up to this week? Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Very exciting um, new development with the big wolf. Mm. So, first time ever uh saturday i think it was and then he did it again yesterday and today is monday so i'm going to try and record it today um he so when we go out and then we come back all the dogs are do um howly 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 face mm-hmm. um to say they're home oh my god Yay. we missed you you were at least five minutes <laughs> and usually he just sort of sits there and looks a bit bemused but he joined in I know, I saw a video of this. Yeah. Was it a little silent, like, or was there no sound on the video? No, he, 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 no, I didn't, I, uh, my Z Modo app um, up, updated itself and it doesn't record ah. the sound now unless you press a button. Okay. So I, I recorded it wrong, but I'll do it today. And yeah, it's very, ooh. Oh, ooh, so ooh. cute. Ooh. <laughs> oh, I don't think he quite knows what's going on either, to be honest, but I'd love to sweet. know, kind of like, you know, it, I, do you, do you think it's like, you know, oh, they're home or is he joining in with the other dogs? What do you do? I guess she's hard to say, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mm. really don't know. I think I, I, I like to think. Yes. And that, um, that's that, what we should think. Yeah. I like to think that because he's now getting more confident, he's happier to, to kind of be present and be, uh, you know, findable in terms of the, the noises he makes and stuff. So, um, I, I think yeah before he was very he was quite meek and um I yeah. mean he was really brave when you came over in the garden wasn't he I know he sniffed, and... sniffed my bum I was he did. I went for a wander up the garden and I just heard this <laughs> and I looked behind me and there's this blooming he's quite nimble on his feet he's like a ninja I didn't even know he'd come up <laughs> behind me and I'm like, yeah he there he bit. was he's, he's a stealth wolf when he wants to be yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know so um yeah I hope I hope he liked what he smelled <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, your mate smell. That's it. You're in the gang. He's had a big whiff of your bum. It's the start of a start of a long relationship. That is. <laughs> yeah. That's how all my so, friends. Um, <laughs> I'll try and get I'll try and get a video of his um, pathetic attempts to join in the the doggy chorus, and I'll share it on the page. Definitely, for so. definitely. I love to see that. I love it. I'm, yeah. Hopefully, he'll do he'll go progress to full on howl. So I can imagine. Oh, it'd be amazing. I mean, you probably feel that more than hear it because yeah. it's quite bassy. <laughs> exactly yeah i'd like to i'd like to uh like to see that that would be that'd be a moment wouldn't it um yeah have you been i know you have been actually but have you been watching uh britain's best parent yes have you seen the one with the vegan people on no there? Uh, i'm behind the times i've only seen two of them and um I wasn't that supportive of the parents that won. I'll be, I'll be honest, or the parenting style that won. Sorry, it wasn't a personal thing against oh, them. Oh, I got so um, angry. Well, I can't give you any spoilers now, but ladies and yeah. gentlemen, if you if you haven't seen this program, go and have a look. It's basically Channel Four, isn't it? Yeah, Channel Four. Um, they put a different, so they got different parents. I've guessed, I've guessed they've asked them to sort of pigeonhole their parenting style because some of the sort of names that they call it are a bit weird, but. Uh, 
So you might end up with, so there were vegan parents there on this one. So I had three different sets of parents, vegan parents, pushy parents, and back to basic parents. Um, ah. So the pushy parents were all about like, you know, I need to push my kids to go be further, be the best I can be. There is such thing as a loser and I don't want my kids to be losers. And, you know, I got, you know, that sort of thing. They were, yeah. the, they were the people that I was getting really angry with, by the way. It was vegan parents, which were really cool. Um, kind of uh, the thing that they did that I really liked is they made a game out of litter picking for their kids, and the kids really loved it. It was really cool. I'm giving you loads. Of That's cool. Um, and then the back to basic parents, they they sold their house and bought a field. They haven't even got a house, so they bought like 13 acres of something somewhere, and they've got like these sheddy sort of tenty structures and outside toilets and. And yeah, they had real high power jobs and just decided one day, I'm done with this. Um, wow. Yeah, they just can't, you know, checked out of society. and They've um, gone feral. Yeah, it was really interesting. It was really, really interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's one of those. Well, things. I will make sure I, I catch up so that we can discuss in more detail. I definitely recommend it. If you, if you like mm. shouting at the telly, then uh, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. That's why I can't watch dog programs. No. No, Winds I kind of up. see him in a different light since we spoke to Steve Mann, actually, dog programs, about like, yeah. how they kind He's... of have to be entertaining, I yeah, guess. Yeah, he so. was right. They are entertainment. They're not teaching. Yeah. 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 And that's kind of with the, I was trying to watch the Britain's Best Parent with the same thoughts in my mind, but I still ended up getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we uh, venture inward into our, uh, into our nutritionist heavy amazing yeah. episode um so so well actually we should probably talk about because i've i've it's going to be heavy on the nutrition side of things because basically mm-hmm. we opened up questions to our to our bookshelves and we got about three million questions um yeah so normally we get like three or four turns out the subject of food and dogs everyone's yeah. got something they want to know about which is great who, who knew who knew um <laughs> Uh, but I have, so we have got Linda P. Case uh, with us today, um, which is brilliant. But I've got this book here, which Nat kindly lent me because we all know yeah. that Nat's got so many books. And she bought, she even bought a load more recently, didn't you? Yeah. Um, Beware the Straw Man, the science dog explores dog training fact and fiction. So that's the book that I've kind of, I've kind of delved into this one a little bit. But obviously, um, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about nutrition and stuff. So I've got got some good little uh, sciencey bits to put in. And when I say sciencey bits, I apologise in advance for how I try and explain everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, and you've been looking at. So you've been going through. Go on. Yeah, I've been going through um, Only Have Eyes For You, exploring canine research with the science dog. So Linda's uh, kind of website is The Science Dog. She's mm-hmm. also got a Facebook page um, and she's fantastic. And, uh, you know, as you will find out as we talk to her more, um, she uh, is a very um, giving with her time. And uh, she also has a excellent ability to read the science and translate it into something that's a little bit more readable for for most of us um so uh most of her books are kind of um looking at a particular subject or or the the science and research around particular subjects and then um, putting it into not layman's terms but you know just having a, a nice open discussion about um what the science actually shows us and what it doesn't because 
Um, we live in a world where sometimes the people that shout the loudest get listened to the most. And um, part of the the role of some of these books is to kind of dispel those myths. Mm. So mm. should be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to speaking to it. I, I hate a myth. Oh, I love a myth. That's, that's not true. I hate, um, you know, I hate those ones that just sort of like hang around like bad smells. I think it's interesting, like finding out where they came from and how they started and like unpicking it almost. And I think that's what um, Linda's books do really well. We did that at the weekend, didn't we? With the, with the phrase, uh, look a gift horse in the mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We? yeah. We all had a go at trying to guess what it was. Nat got it right. Or near about near enough, didn't you? About um, being given a horse and then not looking at what was it? Yeah, I can't remember now. (laughs) It was about about not questioning the kind of uh, a gift. So just saying thanks because if you look in a horse's mouth, then you can see how old their their dental um, uh, kind of what quality? Yeah, age gives gives away whether you've got an old nag or you've got a philly and so. it's also the the root of the long in the tooth being long yeah. in the tooth so i guess it's that so teeth oh yeah here i go down the route of like not knowing <laughs> but i was just about to say i guess a horse's tooth just carries on growing so the longer yeah, it i is, think i do the like older the you're, people oh. that i know with horses they have to have a lot of dental care and filing and stuff if they don't get ah, the right, that right awful roughage they don't wear down enough and then mm. they end up with all sorts of horrible Abscessy things. What sort of roughage wears down a tooth? That's not brand flakes, is it? That's, that's a big file that your vet comes with, I think. <laughs> God, God, <laughs> I'm glad I'm into dogs, not horses. <laughs> right, shall we move on then? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Why read it? Okay, so um, the book that I was looking at. Um, has a, a massive first section. It's about half the book, actually, which is um, called What's for Dinner? And um, Who's for Dinner? <laughs> who's for Dinner, yeah, <laughs> as our new friend Mark would say. Um, and uh, ba- it basically goes through um, some of the research into um, supplements, into um, actual um, ingredients in pet food so protein sources um and lots of quite shocking um pieces of uh research about exactly what you're buying and sticking in your dog's mouth so Mm. um it's it kind of um the the dog food logic book uh that we're going to talk to linda about as well is a you know a, a massive um uh, expansion of, of some of those subjects but it's it's really really interesting um, and um, I think anyone should read it that is gonna be feeding their dog which is pretty much everyone with a dog um, yeah. because and and you know not not to read it from a point of view of then getting on um, your soapbox and you know sharing these things because I know that food is a very emotive subject and what I love about this book is that actually um, Linda sort of um, introduces a concept or a question or a hypothesis or a topic. And then she talks about the research behind it. And then she has a little section um, called Up on My Soapbox, which has the little man. I'll show Steve. Oh, I've got that in my man. book. Have you got that in your book? Yeah. yeah. And so um, so then she she manages to kind of say, 
what she would like to say in those sections, which is brilliant. And I loved, I loved those bits as well. Yeah. Um, and it makes her writing even more interesting because she kind of goes off on a, on a little, uh, little tangent. And um, I just found it really interesting and really easy to read. It's really good. I remember, I mean, I don't know, maybe we, sh- we should ask Linda this, but it's always interesting to me that why, I mean, obviously why, why, why it's so emotive, why people get so emotional about the subjects of what to feed their dogs. Um, but I remember again going back to Steve Mann's book. There's a section on it about. So he talks about diet on there, but he's he skirt he expertly skirts around the issue for that probably for that reason. But he makes a point of saying he once went to a, a conference where two men were arguing about the nutrition of their dogs, like what what they should feed their dogs from. And yeah. whilst they were doing it, they were eating like a fry up and some cakes or something <laughs> like that themselves, like yeah. sort of thing. <laughs> but it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's that, yeah, I know there's there's some camp, there's camps out there, isn't there? And some people are in that camp with their pitchforks all pointing at the other camp and they're at the other camp with your pitchforks yeah. pointing at the camp. And then the people that don't know are in this horrible no man's land in the middle looking at the pitchforks and, you know, um, yeah, you know, you'll find yourself, depending on what professional that you might employ, will tell you one thing and then someone will tell you another. So maybe today we can go a little way to sort of clearing some of this up. I don't know. It's a big, I hope so. And a I hope, task. you know, it's really, it's a really tricky subject because it's actually outside of, of, of our remit as yeah. a behaviourist and trainer. You know, we are not nutritionists or, or vets that can you know it's it's outside of our code of conduct to, to be having discussions about food um oh, but, but many do yeah many do <laughs> and and also um it, you know it we still have a role in signposting so even if we mm-hmm. we can't um legitimately and professionally say you know don't feed that it's rubbish um we could say, look at this website that rates them or, you know, do Linda's mm. online course and find out more or read Dog Food Logic. And so that's how this book ended up being on my shelf in the first place. It was because, um, well, I, I love reading about research and having it translated for me saves a, a few extra brain cells. Um, but also it's it's good to have that knowledge of things so that if you do have a client or you yourself are really interested in nutrition you can get something that you can trust that isn't trying to sell you something yeah sounds ideal that's what everyone needs in their life (laughs) (laughs) right so my book um so so because i'm not completely swimming out of my depth here i've got a different book that i've had a look at this week beware the straw man um and this is absolutely awesome um i have i only a small caveat only uh received it i borrowed it off nat on um yesterday yeah yesterday so yeah. i've i ha- i got up really early this morning and hammered well basically i looked through the contents page looked at all the things that pricked my eye um and um yeah went through those so i've got so as a little smattering through this episode there's going to be some stuff from that book as well which you definitely got to go mm-hmm. out and buy same thing but most of them i think it's 30 odd little essays and um and each one has got um, a title like, this is one of the ones that I like, Hey Teacher, Leave Those Dogs Alone. Um, that was a really, really <laughs> good one. Um, so they've all got titles like that. And uh, Mr. Licks A Lot, that's another good one. And, <laughs> um, and they're basically uh, a little a sort of explanation about what the behaviour is. Then there's a study, so an actual real science study. That's a, you know, you're no longer just pulling things out of the sky that's been done um and then how that applies to your dogs and then uh, quite often again we see our little soapbox man and, and linda has a little uh, 
a little rant at the end about um you know what she thinks um and mm. it's really really good a couple of things have already got me thinking got my brain whirring so um yeah why read it because well we we mused didn't we um i'm gonna do like so where you said linda's really good at reading the science digesting it and then putting it out there i'm really conscious of the fact that she's read the science digested it put it out there then i've read what she's done i'm gonna <laughs> re-digest it and confuse everyone again <laughs> so i've got to be really careful um with how i'm sure I, you'll be fine how i describe yeah. it or maybe we just get to that point where it's so diluted that no one makes any sense whatsoever. i might turn it all back into a myth again i know that's the that's the danger isn't it <laughs> I'd do a disservice um but I've, tr- I've tried to pick the really really simple ones for me because that just makes me feel good uh but yeah so uh why read it again it's just great so uh so yeah and it, I, this particularly I'm not sure about the one that you've got over there but it's but again it's one of those you can pick up and pop down so if you if you're looking at a particular thing or you've heard a particular one of these myths that might um or th- things that don't sound right you could pick it up have a look through the contents go aha there it is have a read most of them will take you you know 10 minutes to read through the little essay and then bosh Mm. you're informed and i just i i love the title as well i mean i think the straw man argument is rife on facebook isn't it (laughs) but not just that dog stuff about everything so it's everywhere isn't it let's be honest yeah um I i found a really cool little video actually a little infographic thing which explains what the straw man fallacy is yes so maybe we could put pop that on um yeah on our facebook page because it's really interesting yeah it's one of those things when you when you know it and you know the term you start to see it pop up all over the place like yeah yeah everyone uses them even if you know you're doing it or not um and i think reading books like this really uh enables you to be a bit more critical like to not not actually just go because she comes at it from a skeptical point of view which is great um and Mm. you doesn't you know you hear something you don't just go oh okay that's in my brain now i'm just going to repeat that verbatim for the rest of the week and then suddenly find out that it's completely true you know be a bit more you think about it have a look see if there is any research about it um you know before you start spouting out it's very tempting isn't it just to repost things on i've done it a few times i've been caught out a couple of times um but yeah um so yeah that's that's why that's what i think anyway i think it's great i think it's great so um shall we move forward to our pricked pricked eyes let's go for it let's go There we are, the uh, the arrows of justice, Ba-doing. finding their target in the eyeballs of a, of the hosts. Luckily, I had my sunglasses on. Fadunk. Here we go. <laughs> do you reckon? Uh, do you reckon you could get a double picture eye, like you know when you watch like Robin Hood, and like he gets he gets a, a ball's eye, but then he splits the arrow. Ooh. Could there be a split the arrow pricked my eye? Yeah. It would have to be a very good secondary prick, wouldn't it? Uh, I, I think what would have to happen would be... Well, yeah, enough, enough said. What would have to happen would be a, an initial prick my eye. So let's say that I say something, but your yeah. prick my eye, unbeknownst to me, adds more to the initial eye pricking. Yeah, yeah. And that would yeah. be our... What we call that the uh, the Robin Hood? The William Tell? I don't know. We'll, we'll call that... Oh, I quite like the William Tell. <laughs> is that William Tell? God we have knows. to do that when we're reading um the same book though, don't we? Cause... Or maybe it'd be even more interesting if it wasn't the same book. Who knows? Let's just it's gonna be like the um do you ever listen to James O'Brien um where he does the mystery hour? I love that. 
show no. um it basically gets listeners to call it but call in questions and then another listener will answer the question and if you if you are uh, um a particularly either qualified to answer the question so maybe it's a question about an invention and then the inventor rings up to answer the question yeah. then you get um a ray Liotta, which is basically ray Liotta saying if you build it they will come it's like a it's like the <laughs> highest accolade in lbc's um giving out and yeah maybe that maybe the william you want to tell get our own. yeah yeah, yeah. i'll have to make a little jingle and then suddenly we can you know if it happens Oh, probably never happened now. No, no. Have a whole whole library of jingles by I the know. time. More jingles. More get jingles. Get to episode five hundred and sixty-two of Barks from the Bookshelf. <laughs> it's <laughs> rapidly coming. Right, <laughs> go on then. You go, go. Okay, right. So this is um, a section called "What's in Your Food?" Naming names, and it's about uh, studies of pet food mislabeling. So, I mean, it's it's quite a big little section, but I'm just going to read one of them uh, just to whet everyone's appetite here so they can go in and get their own eyes pricked. Mm -hmm. So here we go. A Mars brand that stated 14% white fish on its ingredient panel actually contained no fish at all. Wow. Yeah. Maybe they were referring to ghost fish instead of white. It was ghost. Maybe. But they're the kind of facts that are in here. And it's, yeah, it's learning more about what's in your food, which I just found fascinating. And like I said to Linda, you know, I was was reading with my mouth wide open and hopefully people are going to be listening with their mouth wide open. It was your mouth wide open like the ghost fish. <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> That's instantly annoyed me, that has. Oh, sorry. That's all right. It's not your fault, but, you know, why, you know, uh, yeah. shakes fist at computer screen. Yeah. Oh, angry man syndrome. How dare they? Angry man <laughs> syndrome. Uh, right, my, prick my eye. So this is from um, the Strawman book, um, and this is about... Treats, um, so using food as um, a primary reinforcer, um, mostly because so we we hear that, don't we, all the time, that your dog should do it because they, they love you or for affection or for maybe even toys, you know, you can a primary yeah. reinforcer can be lots of things. But turns out the science says this, Natalie Light, the science says that foods is the best or at least, uh, mo- at least most of the time, anyway. So there's a study done. Uh, so th- I'm going to read out the study because I think this is quite important, this one, for people to hear. So you can actually say, you can turn around and go, this is why I use food. It's in the science. Okay? Yes. Right. <clears throat> the study. Uh, the researchers randomly assigned a group of 15 adult dogs to one of three treatment groups. All groups were trained first to do a short sit-stay exercise and then to come when called from increasingly long distances. So that's basically what we're talking about here, okay? All of the dogs mm-hmm. were trained by a single trainer, and each group differed only in the type of positive reinforcement that was used. There was either food, soft, moist dog treats. I know you like the word moist. Uh, stroking, gentle petting on the head and shoulders, or praise, good boy, girl. Um, results. First, all of the dogs learned the task successfully. However, the number of sessions to attain proficiency and the response times differed with the types of reinforcer that was used. You're guessing, you're guessing where this is going, aren't you? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. You're on tenterhooks. Uh, one, sit-stay. When food treats were used to positive, positively reinforce sit and stay, the number of sessions needed to learn the task was significantly fewer than when praise or petting was used. 4.8 sessions for food, 12.8 and 12.4 sessions for praise and stroking. There you go. That's that's even that's more than twice as fast trying to do some maths there in my head. Shouldn't ever do that. Um, <laughs> two, come when called. So what happened in this one? When food was used to teach come when called, the response time was significantly faster than when either stroking or praise were used as positive reinforcers. Praise fared slightly better than petting for this exercise, but the difference was not statistically significant. I always wonder because they said pet on the head in a stroke. Wonder if every dog was into that, you know? So yeah, maybe, maybe. yeah. And then three, and it says, and interestingly, when the trainer was closest to the dogs during the early come when call sessions, the dogs responded almost equally well to all three reinforcers with food showing a slight but non-significant advantage. So there's a little bit of interesting there. So the takeaway, here we go. <clears throat> takeaway for dog folks. I like this a little bit. This is at the end of nearly all of the essays, this takeaway for dog folks. So this is why this book is brilliant. Uh, so this study supports what so many trainers know and use daily. Food treats, petting and praise are all effective positive reinforcers with dogs. Using food treats may enhance learning by reducing the number of sessions needed to acquire proficiency and speed and speeds response time. So keep those treats in your bag of tricks. They work well and your dog will love you for it. There you go. Yay! And that's actual science there, folks. Actual, actual science. Real actual science. So there you go. Put that in your hat and chew it. Is that a, no, <laughs> that's the right phrase? But yeah, um, because we do, you know, we I think, you know, we've talked about it before, haven't we? This idea of like, I'm using food. When do I stop using food? Uh, do I use food? They're not having human food. It's food's a sticky subject, isn't it? So it's a nice, nice way of kind of linking it in with um, what we were talking about with Linda. So the take takeaway is use food. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, use food, reinforce. I can I can get on board with that. I can get on board good. with that. It's a good prick. <laughs> it's a good prick. Boom. Well done, mate. <laughs> right, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> okay, so um, I get the lovely job of introducing who we're going to speak to on the podcast. The honour. The honour. The honour. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So um, I'm going to read some stuff from um, Linda's website. Um, we'll get some further information from her as well. But if you want to look it up, it is thesciencedog.com. Really easy to remember. Um, on that website, there are a list of all of her books. Um, so she's got she's got a lot of books out. Mm, I saw this. Um, so uh, canine and feline nutrition, canine and feline behavior and training, which I do have on my shelf as well. Uh, the dog, it's behavior, nutrition and health. Only have eyes for you, which is what I'm looking at, along with um, dog food logic. Uh, Beware the straw man, which you're looking at. And then her newest publication, which is Dog Smart, um, which mm. I do not yet have, but ah. I'm sure I will soon. Um so Linda describes herself as a dog trainer, canine nutritionist and science writer who specializes in topics about dog training, behavior and nutrition. She's academically trained in animal sciences, specifically in canine and feline nutrition and companion, companion animal behavior and training. Um, she's got a Bachelor of Science in Animal Science from Cornell University and a Master of Science in Canine Feline Nutrition from the University of Illinois. Uh, she runs her um, own uh, business and uh, is very busy writing and researching the books. Um, 
So hopefully we're going to learn a lot from her, Steve. I'm really looking forward to this one. Are you? I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I want to. I want to walk away having some really good things in my brain in in an area where there. I'll be honest. There's not a lot in there. I've got my. <laughs> I've got my own. Uh, got this little space with uh, nutrition and dogs that is I don't talk to because I'm not qualified to talk about it but I would like to I'd like to fill that space even if it's just a little bit excellent just well let's have a chat with her and see what we can learn and fill our brains with let's let her in here we go kick off with um talking a bit about how emotive the subject of nutrition is <laughs> and um i i probably know the answer but it, what um what kind of really was the catalyst to put dog food logic together oh, it's a great question um actually i can um i can credit um dogwise the publishing company, the book company, with mm -hmm. that, um, because what happened was I was presenting at a conference, um, I believe it, it was either APDT or IAABC, and I had um, a talk at the time that I think was titled something kind of not that interesting, but I mean, not that wowing, um, like controversies in dog food or something. And as part of that um, talk, I discussed this, the juxtaposition of emotions and science. And I, I feel like there's such an interesting intersection of those two things when it comes to feeding our dogs. Because, you know, when we think, and I talk about this in Dog Food Logic, of course, when we think about feeding our dogs, we aren't generally thinking about science. We're thinking about how much we care about our dogs mm -hmm. and how much we want to keep them healthy and how important we believe which is true, nutrition is to that health. So there's a very, as you said, a very strong emotive component to feeding our dogs. And the problem can be that those emotions can some kind, sometimes lead us astray when the science, you know, is a little drier, <laughs> a little less sexy, if you will, <laughs> um, and may not always conform to our emotional beliefs. So I gave that talk and um, John Luke, who's a wonderful, um, he actually has become a good friend since then, the wonderful editor of Dogwise, approached me after and said, what would you think about doing a pamphlet about this idea of the, the intersection between science and emotion and how that influences not only how we feed, but how we choose? And so I said, sure. So I came home, I started jotting down my thoughts, and I called him and said, how about a book? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how, how long till you went, hang on, I don't think a pamphlet's going to cut it. <laughs> yeah, a pamphlet's not going to make it. And so that's the way we went from there. And, and uh, so it was really, they, they were, and they ended up being a wonderful publisher to work for, as, as I'm sure you guys know, uh, just a wonderful group. So, so I do credit them a lot with the impetus for that particular book. 
Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. And it, um, Steve and I were just talking before, and I think um, it, it's quite a tricky subject for us to broach with our clients as well, because mm. we are not vets and we're not nutritionists. And so we kind of have to be careful that we're not going into the realms of uh, either woo science or you know, <laughs> out, outside of our professional conduct. Um, so it's really nice to have something that we can um, – point people towards and, and signpost them that's what I think the, the book is perfect for as well for those clients that um, are, are going to ha- be happy to sit down and learn a bit more about what they're putting in their dog's bowl sure sure I think I was uh, saying to Nat earlier that I I think I I find it a real difficult one because because it is so emotive because so many people have have got they seem to be in their own little camps here and there and and I haven't got a massive amount of knowledge about it I like I know what I feed my dogs I know what my dogs seem to thrive on um I try and give them as much variety in their diet as is possible but that yeah that they it puts me off putting my my toes in the water of that of this discussion sometimes because because of the emotiveness of it and that's why you need the science you need the actual i was going to say um the i i've been reading straw man and actually being able some of the stuff that you that you say as a dog trainer um is so nice to be able to go and then here's the study as well that 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 proves yeah, I agree. this you know um yes. because we get our we talk about a lot don't we Nat? like our patter that you know you kind yeah. of go into almost like oh you know robot mode when you're talking to people mm-hmm. and you're going to drawing on all of these things that you've heard and quotes and stuff like that but actually being able to say oh and there was this study that was done and it was done with this many dogs and then they did it this way and it's just so nice to have that so I yeah I'm 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 excited to learn today. <laughs> great, great. Yeah, you know and it's a good point to bring up because um you know nutrition has been a hard science for many years. It just in really the last really 25 or 30 years um it kind of drifted into the realm of companion animal dog and cat nutrition and and we know gads about dog and cat nutrition now. But um, behavioral sciences, as you, as you both know, um, really has not had um, in dogs a strong body of scientific support mm. until quite recently. Mm. And, and what I think is so exciting is how many dog labs there are, and, and it, it used in the most positive sense, because as you know, dog labs are those that are at universities and they use dogs living at homes they, and, and they study dogs who actually live in homes with their families. How do, how do they behave cognitively? How do they problem solve? How do these, um, the rules of learning theory work on them? You know, can we actually show that, you know, what works in a pigeon also works in dogs? And there's just so much great information, mm. you know, weekly almost available now that supports, you know, and, and sometimes refutes what we may have believed, um, you know, and I talk about that a little bit in Beware the Straw Man, um, but, you know, gives us a stronger base to say, yeah, you know, we've shown, someone has shown that this is a strong rule of learning or someone has shown that, you know, extinction can be a little frustrating for dogs, you know, and yeah. and so we actually have some, um, some, you know, empirical data to support those beliefs. And that, that emotional side of things, um, is one that we don't often look at when we're looking at the science of it as well. I think, yeah, I can't remember what you said. I think it was the Skinner ilk 
type of people that that you know just look at it as science um but then if you don't take the emotions into account i'll tell you i had a turnaround in my own brain today linda because of something that i read <laughs> um uh, i um i quite often do demos with dogs in my classes um I, I, I actually as a small caveat i generally only do demos in in a later class down the line so i have my puppy classes and then i have a couple that are called like bronze and silver like follow-on ones and only really in the bronze and silver ones do i do demos with the dogs so i've kind of already got a bit of a relationship with them by then but sure sure but um reading what you said in in the section hey teacher leave my dogs alone which is awesome title by the way i love that um uh <laughs> really got me thinking that yeah make I'm, I'm thinking about it probably i'm doing this for the benefit of the people watching and i've always had that sure. sort of thing in there like i don't want to so i, I do it carefully like i don't i don't want to embarrass people right. or anything like that exactly but yeah. like i'll be honest i hadn't really thought that much about the other side of it the other end of the leash if you like for one of a better sure. expression in terms of the emotion of the dog in that respect and then again reading the study um showing how much that the dogs would rather stay with in, in an area where they're safe and of sure. course of course that would then make them more more able to explore and able to learn because they felt safer i was like well there you go there's an epiphany that i've had so maybe i'm going to restructure sure. the way i do things a little bit yeah, you know, and, and I, I'm glad you brought that particular example up because um, it feeds into the nutrition thing too. Is that I, I think I have I, th that came from a blog, so I think I have in the beginning of the book, um, in the big, beginning of that essay, there are certain topics that I freely admit to having a very strong opinion about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And others that I, others that I yeah, say, you, do, yeah. you know, I kind of feel this way, and that's one that I'm. I, I definitely err on the side of don't, um, but I'm not, I, you know, I think I said I wouldn't go out and pick it about it. Yeah. I, I actually think that- You're not going to die on the hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, you know, I think many instructors do it very well, um, very sensitively to both the dog and the owner. And I would almost bet there are also some owners that say they like it. So yeah. so it's, it's definitely one of those that um, I'm not- um, you know, we're, it's such a polarized society. You have to either be 100% in or 100% out. Mm. And I'm like 50% there, maybe 51% on the side of don't do it. Um, so I think it's a good example because I, I really want to support and, and, and um, stress the importance of discussion and of not polarizing views, you yeah. know, that, that, you know, extinction is another example, you know, some people say, well, I use it, it works great. And I, I feel like it can be frustrating dogs. But again, there's like, there's a continuum there. There's not a, you know, you're either a good guy or you're a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're either taking dogs away and, you know, and, and everyone loves you or you're taking dogs away and you're, you're an ogre, you know? And so I think that's a great example of, yeah, there's some, data suggesting that some dogs are going to be more comfortable with their owners but then you could say well you know but maybe there's some benefit as well so i think it's a, yeah. a great example to bring up yeah it just it just got me thinking about how and again like in terms of like whether you agreed or not but it also got me thinking about well how could i do it differently so that i could then yes. include everyone and that's kind of like where where the magic happens isn't it because it just gets you thinking i could do this exactly. differently how could i do it differently and would that benefit more people than you know doing a demo anyway i digress totally. nutrition <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm stealing it. Yeah, talk about polarizing topics. Yeah, yeah I know. I, I I love in your in your books the up on my soapbox little section where you get to sort of <laughs> let rip a bit, don't you? And, um, yeah. and say what, yeah, and say it, what it, you want. Yeah, and and I'm glad that you know that that allows me to be very clear in that. Yes, I'm human. You know, I'm not a scientific robot. I, I have strong opinions. And, and so that allows me to, you know, present that opinion while, you know, saying, but here's the science. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to put you on the spot here. If you were able to go on your soapbox uh, and um, just put a couple of messages out there to everybody listening about uh, canine nutrition. Um, kind of tasters for dog food logic, what what would they be? I know it's really hard to pick, which is why I'm asking you. <laughs> sure. I, I think, you know, the, the, I think that the, the basic message of dog food logic, um, because in fact, um, uh, you know, the first section is about um, cognitive errors and logical fallacies and critical thinking skills of you know, these are ways that you can look at the information that's presented to you, that you can find good information. These are some cognitive errors that just by being human, we make when we're making decisions. And here's how we can make better decisions for our dogs. And really, you could argue for ourselves, for our lives as well. So I think the message that I would send to people is be aware that this is an emotional topic that um, we all want to believe. Unfortunately, it's not true, but we want to believe that how we feed our dogs will always keep them safe and healthy and will prevent all of these chronic disorders, you know. And as I say in the book, definitely nutrition is, is important, but it's not the only factor that influences health. You know, things just happen. Dogs get cancer. Dogs get illnesses. Dogs mm-hmm. get infective diseases. Um, that that nutrition can maybe support, but is not the cause or the cure for. And so to be aware that emotionally, that's where we want to go. We want to say, what I choose is going to be the best thing for my dog and will keep my dog safe and healthy for many, many years. And again, it can support that, but we have to be aware that there are many factors that influence health and nutrition is one of those factors, but not the only factor. Mm. And I think there's there's so many factors from the human side of it as well. You know, where you can get a particular food price, you know, there's all sorts of things that also feed into, (laughs) feed into, um, (laughs) feed into the decisions that people make about, um, you know what they decide to buy and i i just really like the way the book is opening a discussion rather than saying feed this don't feed this it's it's helping people to make an informed decision for themselves really sure and that's that's kind of been presented to me you know as the author you know because you always read your reviews <laughs> as both a <laughs> as both an advantage and a detriment. Um, some folks will say, "Wow, this you know this really helped me to choose," and other folks will say, "Oh my gosh, now I'm really confused. I don't know." What to <laughs> yeah. Just tell me the answer, and I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just tell me the answer. Is it A, B, or Z? So, so I hear both sides of it and and understand both sides of it. And because certainly one of the messages um, of dog food logic um, is to um, put a spotlight on what are many of the limitations of the information 
that consumers are provided about commercial dog foods. And, you know, there's just no question that we don't get enough information, mm. just as there's no question we don't get enough information about processed human foods. And, and the, one of the points that I make um, in The Science Dog and in some of my books is that for the human food industry, it took a very strong advocacy push just to get nutrition facts, which I'm not sure if they're called the same things in the UK, but mm. it's that little box on processed foods that tell you how much fat, how many calories, you know, and per, yeah. um, per serving. Um, you know, we just think, oh, that's always been there. That actually took a huge amount of um, public advocacy push to get that on the label to force force food companies to put that on their label. So if you follow that with a smaller group of advocacy um, organizations for dogs, um, it's very difficult to get information that we need and that can basically help us select um, from pet food companies. Because their whole thing, there are many, many good companies out there, but but they are out there to make a profit. Yeah. And so their profit, being profit-driven, they're going to be very careful about what they show and what they don't show, about their tra- level of transparency. And so the, the book Dog Food Logic definitely um, – puts a spotlight on some of those limitations. And, and I think that can be frustrating for people um, because then they say, well, now what do I do? Yeah. And I, I don't know um, from a, I don't know what Steve would think, but from a, a client perspective, you know, if I do ask um, questions about, you know, what, what do you feed your dog? Um, I mean, brand, I mean, mm. you know, dry, wet, kibble, whatever. And, and a lot of people just say dog food. or they're really really quick to say that we don't feed them any human food no human food at all (laughs) the other way around yeah Yeah. i'm not quite sure what human food is it always confuses me that answer oh um, thank you for saying that yes so true it's um, it's kind of like there's some weird dividing line you know this is us and this is everybody else Yeah. yeah Yeah. Uh, and, uh, anyway, I don't fall into that camp anyway, because I share my Marmite and toast with all my dogs. So, um, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, it's really interesting because, um, there's a part in, in dog food logic where you're trying to kind of enable people to understand some of these labels, even though there's not much information sometimes on sure. the labels. Um, and when I've tried to do that with, with clients in the past, again, being careful not to go outside of my remit, um, they've usually got a big, plastic bin that they've poured all the food into and the bag's long gone Um, so we don't even they they, they're not really sure and it certainly hasn't been looked at um so i think we've all got a role in opening people's eyes haven't we about what what is in there yes yeah and i think there are layers um as you mentioned because um i think most of the people that are reading dog food logic are professional trainers behaviorists veterinarians vet techs people who are already um making have a profession with dogs. Mm. Um, the general dog owner, other than my friends, <laughs> they all got a copy for Christmas, um, are, <laughs> are not are generally not reading um, dog food logic or even beware the straw man. So, so I feel like that that these books give to people like yourselves the information that then you can distill mm. and and help your clients. But as you said, if someone just says to you dog food and that's your starting point you know you've really got to baby step that then you know into <laughs> yeah. you know what information can i give them that will at least help them make a, a jump to you know from don't care what i buy to a little bit higher quality food yeah 
it's just it's amazing the well it's a huge industry isn't it um i'm i'm doing some research with um a professor um at university of winchester at the moment and i've been researching um trying to get together as many pet food manufacturers so that he can contact them as part of some some ongoing research into um, pet food palatability protein sources all sorts um and my goodness it was like a bottomless pit of companies that are um producing meals and there's all the way from um avocado based yep. to mm-hmm. um bushmeat based and it's yes. it, and everything in between it's fascinating really and it just yes. it, maybe um a lot of people's um experience of the pet food industry is 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 the bigger companies that end up with a an advert coming into their lounge you know on their telly um sure that's exactly right yeah yeah um so it's it's tricky you're right it's difficult conversations um but very important conversations i think i would agree yeah Yeah. (laughs) i can i can always be guilty of um of asking the the stupid questions on this podcast um (laughs) i got a talent for it but um so um (laughs) so here we go button down the hatches so what what should you what should you feed a dog now i don't mean that to sound really like like ridiculously just bland question but in terms of what should you be looking for if you if you had to list out some things that every everyone could kind of you know if they had to make a list and just see right i can tick this off and tick this off and tick this off is there such a list am i is it a stupid question do I need to know? No, leave? it's not a question, <laughs> And um, at the end of um, of Dog Food Logic, I actually provide a flow sheet um, with just that in mind, in that, you know, the kind of the basic questions. And actually, we're doing this in, um, we have a three-course program um, for the Science Dog Now, our nutrition course. In our second course, um, we call this the four W's, the well, three W's, really, um, who, what, and where. And so, um, basically, um, the who is the dog. Yeah. So in those questions, and these really probably could help you with your clients as well to at least kind of get that conversation started. So the who is um, how old is the dog? Um, what breed is the dog? And in, with breed, we were, in terms, we we're talking more in terms of breed size because mm-hmm. and, and possibly confirmation, you know, um, compare a basset hound to a gaze hound breed to a bloodhound or um, compare oops, a um um, you know, a toy breed to a Great Dane. Um, so, so breed in terms of size, age, um, are they a puppy? Um, are they a young adult, a senior adult? And certainly activity level. Um, that's a huge component given we've got everything from your basic couch potato dog who may take a short 10 minute walk a day to your sporting dogs, your dogs that are being trained for agility competitions. Mm. Um, so, so those are the who, um, and of course, um, health related issues that would be important as well. Then, um, the where is, is, um, where do you want your pet food to come from? Which in my view is a very important criteria today because of the world economy. Um, the fact that, suppliers of many of the ingredients that go into dog foods may be coming from all over the world and certain areas of the world have different regulatory oversights than others. Mm. And so that's of concern and of interest to many people. Um, And then 
the um, what is what's in the food and who's making it. Oh, and also where is in terms of where refers to the company as well. You know, do you want to support a local small company that's family owned or are your values that you're like, no, I'm fine with the corporation because I think they do better research. You know, there there's valid mm-hmm. arguments on all sides of that in terms of the size of the company and what type of company you're interested in. Those tend to have um, values according to the person rather than the dog. So that's another part of the where, where is the food coming from? Who's making it? And then um, who, what, <laughs> and where, <laughs> and then what is, <laughs> what, what is, what goes into the food, of course, which is of great interest to most people is what are the ingredients? What's the sourcing of those ingredients? What can you know about the quality of those ingredients? You know, sometimes we can know a little bit, sometimes we don't know anything at all. So, so those three things, if you look at the, who's the dog, where's the food coming from, you know, what's important um, in your value system as, a, as an owner um, for, in terms of the company you buy from, and then um, what are the ingredients? And so for each of those W's, there are um, different questions within there to ask. And also sadly, um, from very high amount of knowledge, you can get to very low in terms of what's mm. available to the Yeah, sure, sure. I know we, we looked into, um, there was a, a really um, sort of, we got a term pricked my eye. Um, we were at um, a festival a, a couple of years ago now, was it now? I'm not sure, but there was a company there doing vegan, like vegan dog food and also like um, animal, um, sorry, insect protein dog food ah, as well it's a big topic right now yeah, yeah that really interests me and then you start asking yeah. yourself the question like what is the what because i'm a vegan myself so i uh i often i often say like, i often say i think i'd be i'd be better for the planet if i gave up dog training and went back to eating meat i but it's like <laughs> but yeah, you so, might be right <laughs> yeah so when so when i saw these options i got all excited about it and i, I we, we got a bag um and my my dog seemed to absolutely love it it was a german company i can't it's remember great. the name of them but um um and yeah i think you now you got the insect protein one as well didn't you and yes yeah, well black soldier fly larva is the mm. one of the primary ones and then there's a cricket based one too in fact i just wrote a um a essay on the science dog about this not that long ago and and definitely you know in terms of sustainable protein source it's it's yeah. sustainable compared with our meat industry it's i'm vegetarian also and, and was vegan for many years so i totally get where you're coming from in terms of sustainability our meat our meat industry is not sustainable and and then the question is well we're feeding meat to our dogs and um those who promote that feeding meat to dogs would say well we're feeding byproducts um mm. my answer to that is that the byproducts are not of the same quality um, as are the, the bits that we take for ourselves, which are the best bits, yeah. and, um, and that we don't get enough information about the quality of those byproducts and that they vary tremendously in how digestible they are, how um, bioavailable their amino acids yeah. are. Um, that doesn't mean that they're all bad. They're not. It's just that we don't get enough information to to select among foods by that. And the nice thing about insect larva protein, <laughs> there's many good things about it actually, um, is that it's pretty consistent. Um, yeah. You know, it's more similar to a vegetable-based or a plant-based protein source in that you don't, you're probably not going to see the huge range in, um, in quality issues amongst a particular insect protein source that we see in the um, animal protein source proteins. But then a lot of people get worried about how processed that must be. 
that's uh, the, the, that's when you go the, the completely the other way. So you think, right, ethically, that's um, for me. For me, that sounds like a great idea, and it means that it's more sustainable. Brilliant. But then, like, I remember. Um, I did, I did, I dipped my toe into that you should never, ever do like one of these forums and kind of say, well, what about insect protein? And then it's just like, boom, like, everyone comes out with it. And then you ran away. They, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then they kind of, like, I, can, I remember one comment really sat with me that I can't imagine how processed that must be. And that word processed is, it's a dirty word, isn't it? I mean, with, in, in human food, it is as well. And so I don't know what, um, have, you, have you got anything to say about like what, you know, is, it, is there good processing? Is there bad processing? I assume there is. But, um, you know, in, in terms of how, how that food's made, do you, do you know um, much about the processing sort of side of things? Sure. And actually, it's a, it's a great and important topic. Um, uh, so, yes, the, the insect protein would be highly processed mm-hmm. uh, in the same way that animal protein sources are processed for extruded dry foods. Um, A a meal is produced, which is cooked at very high temperatures, then dried, and it's that dried meal. Um, In fact, again, in my my courses and some of my talks, I have pictures of this. Um, You know, like you look at the dog food bag and it'll show a roasted chicken like, you know, people would have had for their Thanksgiving meal. Um, where to you know portray that that's what's in your dog food, whereas the actual chicken meal looks somewhat like dry corn meal. I mean, it's just mm. it's a dry meal, and so it would be very similar for the insect protein meal. That would then be incorporated into um, a dry extruded food. The ones that I've seen all have been dry extruded, um, which is again cooked. So so it is a highly processed um, um, uh, procedure. Um, but so is extruded dog food. Yes. So if, or and so is canned dog food. So if that person is making that argument, um, then that should be compared to some of the fresh, frozen, cooked foods or yeah. a raw food, raw um, which are definitely less processed. Mm-hmm. That said, processing in and of itself is not a bad thing um, because if we didn't process extruded food, um, they would be very um, one. To some degree, um, these they would be less digestible, of course, because the okay. starch would not be digestible. But second, and very importantly, they would be, you know, running with foodborne ill, foodborne pathogens. They would be, you know, the, the, one of the reasons that heat treatment is to kill a pathogenic bacteria and other microbes. So, um, which is, of course, also a problem with raw foods is that they are often uncontaminated. So, so processing, like anything, um, has some positive attributes and some negative ones that's really interesting it was definitely yeah i think i think you're right the thing that people that were talking about the processing would definitely on the sort of side the more raw sort of side of the of the argument yeah i've often thought about feeding raw um uh, and yeah that that's the thing that's put me off that sort of idea that i've heard things about the um you know how clean you've got to be on that, that that sounds really bad about me doesn't it but like you know oh, like yeah. you know, every, every surface of my kitchen has yeah. got to be you know <laughs> you um disinfected within an inch of its life and that's that's not really my style linda i'll be honest with you um well, no, especially, especially when you're used to being vegan you like there's not much that can kill you really. yeah i mean it's going to taste a bit weird if it's gone off but we are not in the realms of you know e coli and all these other nasties that you could get from leaving a raw food spoon <laughs> lying on the side <laughs> <you know? laughs> 
yeah so i i yeah I th- i've always kind of thought the idea of it it feels like raw feeding i think when we talk about this sort of like with no actual science behind it it feels like maybe the right thing to do would that would that be fair enough well, I think that we're back into the emotional realm yeah. again. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the basis for raw feeding um, is the belief that it's more natural for dogs coming from, you know, their wild ancestor, closest cousin is the wolf. Um, and that people think it's less, well, it is less processed. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about that. And then there's a belief system that the nutrients are more available. Yeah. And that's where they go off the rails yeah. because um, – in terms of protein, um, in general, but this again, research is not really supporting this. Um, in general, the the protein, the animal source protein in a raw diet, is more digestible and more available than the protein, the animal source protein in some and possibly most dry extruded foods. And that's because the extrusion process in and of itself does cause damage to protein. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's no doubt about that it causes. And if it's, if it, the processing is not well controlled, there can be a lot of damage. However, um, cooking is necessary for any, any starch and for many of the carbohydrates sources in foods. So this is why raw feeders, if they feed vegetables, they, they, grind it up greatly and the reason for that is that does um increase the um the digestibility of a a, of a plant source um starch um but cooking is really needed um and and the other issue is that there's not evidence that especially um moderate cooking like cooking at a low level or air dried cooking um there's not evidence that that damages protein sources or reduces nutrient bioavailability. In fact, there is some evidence that moderately cooking a animal protein source like chicken um, actually increases digestibility, increases nutrient availability compared with its raw version. Um, The last thing that I would say, and this is a little bit of a soapbox thing for me, I'm putting my soapbox (laughs) We'll do a little fanfare for you before you, <laughs> you go. Maybe you can put my little guy up uh, on yeah. the screen. Um, is that what what tends to be ignored? Is that your your food can only be as good as its starting point, as the ingredients it comes from. So if someone is purchasing a raw diet that is made from the same ingredients, which are let's use chicken for an example, are chicken frames, and chicken frames are basically the bones of the chicken um, with a little bit of meat attached and all that connective tissue. I know <laughs> it's what's <laughs> left over after we take the best bits for ourselves. Um, and, and so if it's pet food grade um, a food and they're buying it raw, that's what's going into that. And you're not getting the benefit of cooking it to decrease and eliminate microbial contamination and some of the cooking actually would actually increase some of the availability of, of some of the um, protein in that particular source of, of protein. So if you're buying a commercial food that the starting point was still byproducts, um, you're not going to, that's not going to be a better protein source than a cooked version of that. And that's what I think gets ignored most of the time is that the food's only as good as the starting point. So my little soapbox is, is if you're really interested in protein quality, start looking at human grade sources. 
yeah. Um, yeah. rather than worrying about raw versus cooked. Yeah, that just shows how nuanced the um, discussion needs to be because we've had lots of interest on our Facebook page saying, you know, is raw really the best? It seems the most natural. And I think that kind of framework of an argument you know is put across in in dog food logic really well because you're looking at how the manufacturers are um advertising it to us and the benefits that they say and they use very clever language like natural um you know they put a a wolf on there and like you say like a lovely roast chicken on there and um it a food can't become better than its constituent parts can it so you're you're right going back to the start isn't it Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I need to ask you about grain as well, or just allergens in general, Mm. because um, anecdotally there seems to be maybe more awareness. I I don't know. Maybe we have more environmental allergens now. Maybe dogs, the the breeding practices are um, creating more sensitive intolerances and all that kind of stuff. Um, But do you have... Uh, any pointers on, uh, you know, grain-free food, uh, different allergens, uh, certain animal protein um, allergies? Because I think that's also part of the the draw for a lot of people with feeding raw, for example. Mm-hmm. They do see it as, as more natural um, and therefore it might help if their dog has particular intolerances or, or allergies. Is, is that always the case? Sorry, that was that question went all over the place, didn't it? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I followed. Okay, good. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah in, in terms of allergies, there are a couple of things, and you touched on these very well. The first is a genetic predisposition. Um, and that, you know, it, it, we know that there are certain dogs that are going to have allergies, are more likely to have an allergic response to something than others. Um, so, so that tells us right there that breeding practices are involved. You know, I, I live with golden retrievers and they are, you know, atopic dermatitis or atopy mm. is very common in them. Um, and so, so that said, we do have a genetic predisposition. The second issue is that the vast majority of allergic responses that we see in dogs are environmental. Um, they're not food related. Food related is down around 10%, the most okay. 15% of the wow. cases. Um, the reason um, this is more psychology than science, but the reason that, that I think people tend to focus on nutrition so heavily is that it's something we can do something about. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're told um, this is a seasonal allergy, which it is most of the time, um, and you live in the Midwest like I do, you know, and you're going to have blooms and things that are um, out there that your dogs are going to be exposed to, and the only options are, you know, keep them really clean, rinse them off all the time, and use some, you know, anti um, inflammatory agents as needed. that people, you know, don't like to medicate their dogs um, for long periods of time. I certainly don't. But if, on the other hand, you're told, well, maybe it's food, all you have to do is change your dog's food and find out what isn't a trigger for him, that's a lot more palatable, if yeah. you will, to people. <laughs> and so our minds tend to go there. We tend to be like, okay, that's that's what it is. I'm going to fixate on that. And that's not to say that that food-related allergies don't occur. They do. They're probably just much less frequent than our um, than are the other causes. And so you'll hear people say, well, when I changed his food, he stopped itching. And this is what we call, I talk about this in Dog Food Logic, the post hoc 
error in that allergies do wax and wane. They go up, you know, in certain times of the year and they just naturally decline. So if you, you're going to tend to change your dog's diet when they're at a peak, you know, because, oh my gosh, he's itching terribly. I need to do something about this. You put him on a new diet. It was going to decrease anyway, because whatever was causing him to itch goes, you know, it it stops blooming. And and you say, oh, well, look, the diet worked. Um, So it's this self-fulfilling prophecy and and it feeds our belief that it's diet. So um, so I'm a huge skeptic of um, of changing foods um, when a dog's itchy. I would first always go to inhalant or atopic or, you know, topical allergies and try and look at that. Um, and then um, secondly, of course, flea, flea associated dermatitis is a flea allergy dermatitis is another one, which is much less common these days because folks do generally take good care of their dogs in yeah. terms of, of fleas. That's really interesting. It's almost um, like the, the placebo effect in, um, in dogs. <laughs> exactly. Isn't it? Yeah, exactly. that's really good, good old uh, cause and effect. Yeah. You yeah. can't always yeah. match them together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just to address the grain um, issue is that, yes, um, a small per- – so you've got, you know, 10, maybe 15 percent. I'm more on the 10 percent, you know, I think the data really support even lower. But um, so you're starting out with only 10 to 15 percent of these dogs – it's food related at all within those dogs it's usually dairy or beef um chickens kind of down there but it's more likely to be animal source proteins and very very low it's like again i think it's around 15 percent of the dogs that have food related allergies is wheat or corn so they're they are not the high culprit that they have um there are other reasons you might not want to feed wheat or corn but but it has nothing to do with allergies Mm. it makes sense though doesn't it that the the animal protein especially if you're not looking at a kind of quality product like we've already talked about there's all sorts of stuff going on with the way you know meat animals are raised and medicated and stressed and all that kind of stuff so there's a there's a big welfare element in there as well um yes yeah it's a mind. <laughs> it's a minefield. It is like the more, Yeah, it's it is completely. It's a minefield. I can yeah. see how people are just like. Can you just tell me what to feed them, please? <laughs> yes. yes. There's the a... number one question that I get. <laughs> yeah, like, I what do you feed your dogs, and what should I feed my dogs? <laughs> There's a huge trend at the moment towards so like what like home cooked say home cooked so I'm, I'm doing the old inverted commons with my fingers there for anyone that can't see me um yeah and, and that seems quite I, that always seems quite appealing to me like you know um I, I love giving our dogs variety so you know although we do my my both my dogs are on a dried food they get loads of different foods all throughout the day sure, i know there's some do. companies now that are like providing like home cooked um like frozen it's kind, of, it's kind of like the next level down i guess from raw if you like um that sort of thing and that that always seemed quite appealing as well i know there's a company button-up box that we've used before that are really that seem really really good um yes i know but yeah 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 i love that i love the way they advertise as well they're quite they're quite yes, a nice they're company. Great. it's yeah. really good but yeah i is it just is it like humans or just balance let's just balance these things out and you know uh, you know, a bit of this here, a bit of that there. Look, obviously, look at the the three W's, obviously. But you know, in a grand scheme of things, it's also about enrichment as well, isn't it? Food. So a lot of that yes. is yeah, know, definitely. That, that's something. Yeah, that we... let's talk about the variety issue because yeah. I think it's a it's a great question. Um, 
So the whole idea of that we've all been indoctrinated to, to believe the feed one food, feed that food alone, don't give human food, yeah, <laughs> whatever that means. Whatever human um, food is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and feed that food from the time your dog's a puppy until he's an older dog, and that should be all that he needs. So, you know, that is c- the complete opposite of what we are told as human beings. We are told eat a variety of fresh foods, eat a variety um, of healthy foods, and um, don't just eat, you know, McDonald's all day long, or don't just eat, you know, chocolate for breakfast every day, <laughs> much as we might want. Don't. Um, Especially yeah. in lockdown. <laughs> Sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> um, yet, you know, I, I get this question all the time. It's like, well, um, I, I want to change foods, but my dog's had this single food for three years, um, is it going to be really hard to change foods? And, 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 you know, our response to that is yes, if that's all your dog has had for three years, you definitely should take your time in changing foods. And, and my response is added to that. And when you change foods, continue to change foods, you know, for find four or five, um, companies that you like and trust. Um, so not even, you know, different, um, lines within a company. You, mm. If you can find several companies, you like feed several foods, rotate them or mix them. We even go so far as to say feed several types of food. So I am currently feeding three different types of foods to my dogs. Um, and to answer Steve's question about the fresh cook, that is kind of a segment of the um, pet food industry that's growing. And it's, in my view, it's growing in a good way because they tend to be small companies that are privately owned, that um, have a niche market. They are expensive. There's no doubt about that. Um, But that usually are using human-grade ingredients. So you have a better understanding of not only the source of those ingredients, but how they're handled throughout um, the ingredient streamline, you know, as as they go along, you know, Mm -hmm. the regulations that they have to be refrigerated and how they're handled and what type of facility the food is produced in. Those are all highly regulated in a very different way than they do with ingredients that go into the pet pet stream, you know, in the pet uh, ingredient stream. So, so, um, so that, that whole idea of variety, um, should apply to our dogs. The fact that we have been raised to think one food and one food only is a, I'm going to say it, it's propaganda from the pet food industry. Mm. And it's something that we all bought hook, line and sinker, you know, since the late 1960s until now. And, and it's, it's a ridiculous claim to make. Um, and even, I don't know any nutritionist today that would say it's a good claim because given pet food recalls, given the problems with certain ingredients we've had, the fact that you would trust one brand by one company to get it right every single time um, is, is that's kind of an outrageous claim. That's a really high bar to clear. Yeah. Massive. That's lots of myth busters. And I'm sure lots of people are listening with their jaws dropping right now. Cause that is, am I going to get hate mail? I don't no, know. No, no, the hate not mail at all. You. no, we're not, we're not that kind of podcast. Um, but it, Except when you put nutrition on. <laughs> yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, I think even just, even just one of those elements, you know, um, I, I, I hope I speak for most people here when um, I say, that we would assume that there would be refrigeration processes throughout the you know or death span of a a particular animal um that was heading into a a bag of pet food but the fact that there's such a different regulation is just 
mind-blowing really isn't it so yeah so two completely different product streams ingredient streams mm. um and I, again i think the consumer what wants to think that and and certainly um pet food companies want them to think that and again it doesn't mean that pet food uh, industry is not regulated it is regulated mm. but but ingredients that go into um, animal feeds are regulated differently mm. than ingredients that go into the human human food stream so so you know i think that again to get back to the raw issue i think there's a general belief that when you feed raw you're feeding the chicken breasts that you go to the supermarket and purchase you are mm. not mm. unless that raw product is is sold as human grade and in the united states um even though human grade is not a technically recognized term it's not an official term through afco it still is regulated as such so that if a, a company uses human grade that the, the bar is set very high in that respect that food has to have gone through the human ingredient stream, which means everything was refrigerated from the start. Everything has to be produced in a human food facility. Um, and so they basically have to do everything to make that food human edible is really the term. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas if it doesn't have um, human grade ingredients, it's the same ingredient stream that all pet food ingredients go through. And I think that's important for people who are very much in the whole raw ideal to understand because that is an important distinction yeah yeah that's really really interesting uh, just going slightly away a little bit guts <laughs> guts. Just guts. I'm just going to throw that in there a little bit. Um, I didn't even try to segue. Just, no, just, I'm just going to no, say just, just guts. Um, very got, smooth. I understand we have limited time, so I'm, I'm, done, I'm done with segues. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's huge in the in the human um, food world at the moment. Your your gut microbiomes. Is that my saying that microbiome. right? Yeah. Sure. So um, so is this cutting edge stuff happening in in the dog world at the moment with this as well? Is uh yeah, could you talk a little bit about that? It is, it is. In fact, there is some really interesting work, as you probably have heard, about even the microbiome and behavior in, in dogs and how that affects um, neurotransmitters and, um, and whatnot. But yeah, and actually, I'm lucky enough, I live in central Illinois, and right down the street is the University of Illinois, where I actually taught for a number of years. And in the animal sciences department there um, is probably one of the world most world-renowned um, genome projects going on of the microbiome of dogs. Um, and that's um, oh. uh, Kelly Swanson and his group, and they do a lot of publishing on the microbiome and how different, <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> different uh, I see a dog. Yeah, this happens I, I, I was very interested <laughs> in this topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how, how different foods um, influence the microbiome of, of the dog. And I published this, um, a uh, I actually write about their work quite a bit. And some of the work is showing that definitely um, what you feed a dog alters the microbiome. What's and, and definitely actually raw foods do. We know that. What's not really known is um, are those changes beneficial? Mm -hmm. Are they detrimental? Or are they inconsequential? Does it not matter? You know, because there's so much um, variability between individual dogs in terms of their, their gut microbiome. Um, do these changes influence health? And, and that's, of course, the big question. Mm. You know, it's a big question with using probiotics and prebiotics um, in terms of can we um, prevent disease? There's 
some research that shows the use of certain probiotics may reduce certain types of stress-related diarrhea in dogs, which certainly is very important for shelters or for breeders who are, you know, placing their dogs or for, you know, for um, sport dogs, you know, who are, are engaged in a lot of, um, mm. of stressful showing. Um, but it's not really strong evidence. It's, it's a little bit of evidence. It's not like, oh, yeah, feed this probiotic and your dog will never get stress-related diarrhea. It's feed this probiotic and your dog, if he gets stress-related diarrhea, it may be a little bit shorter duration. So it's not strong evidence in terms of how we can um, impact a, gut's micro, a dog's microbiome, gut microbiome to support health. But it is, there is evidence showing that how we feed changes the gut microbiome it's fascinating i mean like again i i view it from from far away just sort of like dipping my toes in here and there but yeah i, I find it's the whole thing fascinating sure. yeah yeah i did you think like with the current you know everything that's going on in the world at the moment with the pandemic and everything do you think people are more kind of science aware now would you say or maybe coming out of this they might be a little bit more science aware because of you know, we, we get our daily briefings in this country where we normally have like chief medical officers, you know, talking about the science with graphs and all of this sort of stuff. Um, it would be nice, wouldn't it, if if people come out of this maybe a little bit more science aware, a little bit better read between the lines. I don't know if that's uh, you know possible, but yes. it would be nice. It sure would be nice. And not to get political, but I think it depends on who you're listening to. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good point. That is a yeah, good point. So, so, so yes, I would I would agree though. I mean, because there's um there is definitely good science available and, and also I mean they're you know they're starting to already give us more information that's evidence-based mm. about which should we wear masks or you know how is corona how is COVID transmitted? You know, and those are it's already evidence-based because people are doing those studies. Mm. So yeah, I would hope, I would certainly hope that it feeds into more of our, our science brains than than the other way. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. That, that critical eye, if people can can look over a critical eye and not just take things for granted, I think we'd all we'd all move on a few steps. Um, sure. I'm just um, conscious of time, Linda, so I want to get a massive plug-in for your amazing online courses that you offer. Oh, thank you. Um, sure. And I'm, I've I've got the page up here now, and I'm I'm desperately not trying to spend all of my money by signing on to all of them <laughs> just yet but I, I will be um one of my friends Carrie she uh did the uh canine nutrition one and she has been raving about it she said it was absolutely oh, I'm glad good. I'm glad so, um so for those listeners that might want to find out a bit more and maybe have some time on their hands because they're furloughed or whatever um could you tell us a bit about what courses you can offer and how people can find out uh, more and enroll and all that stuff? Sure, sure. Um, probably the easiest way is um, my primary uh, website these days uh, is the Science Dog. And um, if you want to do the Science Dog courses, just um, look for the Science Dog courses. So the courses, the Science Dog is kind of a um, our website that includes the blog and my books and also the courses. And all of the courses, with the exception of one, we are going to have some guest um, lectures at some point. But right now, all of the courses are nutrition courses. And um, they are basically um, 
designed for pet professionals such as yourselves, such as um, trainers. You know, we started out this this chat talking about, um, you know, questions that you get from your clients and, and, mm. and how to answer those. So they really are designed for pet professionals who want a solid base to be able to help their clients. Um, so most of our students right now, we have about 250 students enrolled right now, um, are trainers, behaviorists. We have some, a number of vet techs, a couple of veterinarians, and we have a, a fairly strong contingent from the pet food industry, um, both from some of the really large mega companies uh, down to the small companies who either are people who are um, sales reps or our formulators who want to have a more basic um, knowledge of canine nutrition. Mm -hmm. so, so the courses are designed for pet professionals. However, that said, we have a number of dog enthusiasts, you know, just dog owners who say, I just want to know more about how to feed my dog, or I want to know I'm, I'm involved in agility competition, or I'm involved in hunting trials with my dogs, and I want to know how to feed better. So we do have a fair number of, of that type of student as well. The courses are set up um, to basically make it a master's class certificate program in canine nutrition. And there are three prongs to that. The first is called Basics of Canine Nutrition. That one was our first course. We launched it in January and we've had about, I think we're up to about 55 graduates for that course. Wow. And the second course is called um, puppies to seniors, feeding dogs through the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. That's um, that's basically how to feed. So the first course is just basic canine nutrition. You know, what are the nutrients? Why do dogs need them? What's the difference between omega-6 and omega-3 fats? Mm -hmm. Just really, you know, everything you want to know about the basics of nutrients and um, uh, canine nutrition. The second is actually feeding process or feeding management. Um, and that one um, was our second launch course. The third course hopefully will be out um, in early November is called Dog Food Smarts. And that is about um, the pet food industry, feeding homemade, feeding raw, feeding uh, wow. cooked, you know, feeding commercial. And that's going to be everything you want to know about dog foods. Um, so students that take all three will then get their master's class certificate. But you don't have to take all three. You can take one or two, you know, mix and match them any way that you like. I like the sound of the new one. That sounds really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that one um, is, is I've just started developing it. Um, it that's going to be one where what do I have to take out because there's just so yeah. much. Yeah, where, you know, where do you start? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 So it's, it, but it's been a really fun project so far. I'm just looking as well and there's some brilliant webinars on there which look like they're sort of little standalone topics. And um, one of them actually, one of our listeners, um, Zoe, uh, asked specifically about um, diet and dilated cardiomyopathy. So, and there's a webinar there on exactly that subject, Zoe. So you can there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and that one um, actually has been quite popular. That actually comes as part of the basics course as well. So all okay. of the little ones in there um, come as part of the basics course. And then at the if you take that, because they're a little they're a little less costly. Um, at the end, you get a little nice certificate as well, a uh, coupon to get a discount from one of the bigger courses. So, yes, and that's nice because it doesn't quite hit people's pocketbooks as, as, as hard. <laughs> I'm sure it's worth every single penny. Yeah. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else you're working on at the moment that you want to point people in the direction of? Have you got a, a new a new book 
in your in your head that's on its way out yeah (laughs) i have a new book in my head but that's where it's sitting right now (laughs) um yeah i i actually have several new essays out on science dog so if your listeners are not currently following the science dog blog that's free you know they they you get i get essays i i used to publish an essay a week um it's a little less now because we're working on course development um but you might be aware and your your listener who is interested in dcm there was just a um a systematic review um, paper published about dilated cardiomyopathy in oh, dogs. Okay. Um, yes, and it's just out, like literally this week. Um, so I'll be writing about that next. I, um, I've already started. Yeah. Well, I'll um, look but out as far for as that. the book, it's yeah. Thank you. And it's as far as the book, it's still in my head. Hopefully, it'll be it'll be at least out in an outline form sometime soon. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, you have to come back home when you got a new book out. Then that's the yeah. that's the rules. Sure, I would love to. You guys are delightful. <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for your time yeah. it's been really it's, enlightening and um yeah it's a it's a minefield topic but i feel a lot a lot better about like all of the little bits all the little minutiae in it so that's fantastic and of course everyone sure. go out and get the book we'll stick links to all of the books yeah. and things in our show notes oh that'd everyone. be great thank yeah, you yeah 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 thank so you. thank you so much um and uh yeah oh, thank you for inviting me no. no you're very welcome it's been wonderful thank you so much for giving up your it's morning over there isn't it yeah Yes, it's yeah. afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're hoping, my husband and I are hoping to come your way next year. Well, we were going to do it this year, but COVID got in the way. We have a, uh, a, a Thames River um, walk planned that we're going to oh, hike wow. the Thames. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, so when that gets planned, when all this settles down, I'll let you know, because maybe we could meet that in person. Be, that would be amazing. That'd yeah, let us know. It would be lovely. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much and uh, stay safe. And we'll right. uh, we'll see you, you soon. You too. Stay well. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. You too, Nat. Bye. So that was Linda Case. Wow, wasn't she lovely? Wasn't she lovely? Wasn't she lovely? And I feel like wow. my little room in my brain has at least got like a chaise lounge and a, and a small armchair in it now that I can yeah. go. I can You've inhabit. Yeah, I can go in there. I can sit in there. I can relax. If someone asks me a question, I don't have to stay out the room. I can now go into the room with a little bit of fact that I can throw back out of the room at the person that's inhabiting the hall. This is going the end. I I love just the the it depends, doesn't it? All Mm. comes back to that quality of protein rather than actually how you're feeding the protein in the in the first place whether it's you know dry or wet or raw or whatever a little bit of knowledge goes a long long way i think this is i this i mean nutrition is a massive topic obviously and we only scratch the surface but there were loads of mind blowy comments in there i Mm. feel and i really hope our listeners enjoyed that so yeah i hope hope we managed to answer some of the amazing questions that everyone sent in it's a bit like you know, there were so many in the end. We can't be like, and this one, this one is from da 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 da. Yeah, it's a bit difficult to do. Yeah. So we tried to be artistic with our way of working it, so that we could ask the questions and get all of the answers that everyone wanted. Um, there was an interesting one. One of the questions that I saw that we didn't address um, was about whether they can feed their dog uh, like vegan or vegetarian substitute ham. Because the, oh yeah, I saw that. Because yeah. the dog has to take um, tablets or something. I forgot to ask that question, so maybe I can, or bang that one on an email. Um, I think it. It you know, 
it depends what's in it and how much of it is being eaten and all that kind of stuff so hopefully we we did a sort of general blanket coverage of of um a lot of the topics that you were asking but sorry that we didn't go into the specific details for some of the questions (laughs) you just have to go on linda's course and find out for yourself there you go the book and find out for yourself <laughs> there you go but yeah incredible as again um humbled and thrilled to talk to linda yeah really really good thanks linda really good thanks linda <laughs> right onwards and upwards Ten hit practical applications ladies and gentlemen so I've got a special um, practical application for everyone. And it is a special one. It's one that we can all do this one um, and that maybe we all should do. Oh, mm, you're bigging it up, mate. You're bigging it up. Is it going to be good? Strokes beard. Um, <laughs> right. So this is called the... Uh, so this is um, this is essay number 20 in The Straw Man. And I, I, I got up really early to read this today. And I remember I sat there and Peaches was sat next to me. She's been a very good girl. She sat on the sofa next to me um, and... I was reading this and my, my little eyebrows were twitching away as I'm reading it. Because, you know, when you read something, you get really excited about it. And um, yeah. this was one of those moments. So this is called, you might have heard of this, I don't know, the Benjamin Franklin effect. Um, basically, in a nutshell, without reading the whole thing out verbatim, but but Benjamin Franklin um, was going up for re-election. Um, uh, and one of his... Uh, adversaries in the election did a scathing horrible speech about him you know tore him a new one for want of a better expression um and uh so in order to to rectify this benjamin franklin did something um that not most people would do okay so what he did is he uh so he'd heard about this man that he had a special book in his library a really old book but but one that everyone kind of wanted to read so benjamin franklin asked this guy can i borrow that book please and the guy was was nice enough to lend him the book and then benjamin franklin had the book for a week read the book sent it back to this dude um with some notes and things and saying really thank you so much for lending me the book blah 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 now this was uh, a ploy of Mr. Franklin's, um, at least I think it was. I think it was done with uh, thinking about this and uh, thinking about how it would turn out. Because it turns out that if you do something nice for someone, it makes you feel good about that person. Now, what what we would think, or what I would think, that's why my eyebrows were going when I was reading this, is it actually it's the other thing around. So if you do something nice for someone, then the someone is going to think you're nice But that's not always the case. I mean, it could be the case, but it's not always the case. So this is about Hmm. cognitive dissonance, which I've heard that phrase a lot. And apparently your brain. So if if you say there's someone that you're not really that fond of, if you did something nice for them, like purposefully made yourself do something out of your way, like lending a book or I don't know, getting them some shopping or something like that, just anything nice, your brain goes into a weird mode where it's like makes you think that you actually like them a little bit more. And the more nice things you do, the, the higher up in their, in your estimations those people go. Okay? Um, so there's a couple of studies, again, looking at the science, there's a couple of studies that have been done in the Benjamin, Benjamin Franklin effect. Um, one of them was, um, the one that I like, is the one where they got two sets of students to do like a tap routine. Um, I'm guessing they mean tap dancing here. I don't know, or maybe they have to tap something out. I'm not sure, but it's a routine. And one of the one of the instructors was given the um, uh, 
the instructions that they had to just positively reinforce everything that they did right. And with another set, there was a controlled group as well, but another set was given the instructions that they had to criticize all the things that they did wrong. Um, then at the end, the the two people that were doing the either criticizing or positively reinforcing were asked what they thought of the students. And overwhelmingly, the people that were using the positive enforcement uh, rated the students who they had praised and encouraged as highly attractive, one of them, <laughs> highly attractive, uh, yeah. friendly, pleasant and likable. Um, by comparison, they rated the students that they had insulted and berated for their tapping um, as particularly unlikable and unattractive. They must have asked them whether or not they thought they were attractive <laughs> or not. I don't know. So the researchers concluded that the volunteer teacher's treatment of each student created their perception of that student. They liked the students who they were required to be kind to and they disliked the students who they were required to punish. This shows us that the Benjamin Franklin effect works in both directions. Kind behaviours create positive perceptions while hurtful behaviours lead to unfortunate perceptions. Now, what's that got to do with dogs? Well, apparently it works the same way with your dog. So if so, if you're doing something positive with your dog, so if you're like, good boy, you're good, you're the best boy in the world, you're the best, it's well done, and you're giving them a treat and all that sort of stuff, again, in your brain, the perception gets better. You, know, you, you think that dog is a good dog, for want of a yeah. better word. Um, but obviously, vice versa, if you're constantly berating, yelling, shouting, and doing all of those things, it kind of confirms in your brain that that you've got a bad dog or whatever that means so i really like that and i thought that that's something like as a practical application we could do that with our dogs i think probably most of us do do that with our dogs but maybe oh, we could do that with some people as well maybe we could try and find some people that we don't like and then try and do some nice things for them and but we like everybody steve yeah no yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> But I really like that. And it ends, yeah, I like, that. I like that a lot. It ends here saying, um, I'll, I'll just read the last passage. Think about it. When you see someone yelling at their dog, does that person really appear to like that dog? Uh, is cognitive dissonance and the BF effect leading them to conclude that their dog must be bad, poorly behaved, dumb, unlikable, unattractive, since he is deserving of such correction? Similarly... Does the regular use of positive reinforcement, telling our dogs, yippee, you did it, and you're so smart, and you're so good, subconsciously also encourage us to love our dogs more and think more kindly about them? And then it says, the last sentence is, be nice, be kind, do favours. Ben says you will love your dog more for it, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> it is great. And again, it cites the study, so you can look into the study. There's another study as well. Um, There were two different ones, but you'll have to read the book if you want to hear the other one. Yeah, don't give too many spoilers away. So I'm going to go and I'm going to try and um, go out and be kind to my mum because I really don't like them. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Are you liar? I've refused to buy. So I've, I got a little bit of um, little bit of in, into Steve's life. Um, uh, they, they are um, currently shielding um, and I, I was kept having to buy them the Daily Mail, which is so against my... Um, <laughs> religion <laughs> yeah it's so, so against everything i stand for but i did it you know for a certain amount of weeks but the problem was every time i bought it i'd look i'd look at the front page and read the the front page and i don't know if everyone for people that are listening to this not in the uk they probably don't know what i'm talking about but the daily mail is it's not the greatest of let's say it's not the the, the best of papers in in order for not i would say that it perhaps does not employ the level of critical analysis of the facts that yep. we promote on this podcast exactly so i said i put my foot down that my foot went down i went i'm done i'm done with it um i'm not gonna buy it anymore 
Um, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to deliver it. I said, I get them any other paper. I said, any other yep. paper you want. Well, within reason. Um, but no, that wasn't good enough. So uh, now oh. now they've gone to, um, through other means, paper boy. Are they still around? Are they still a thing? I don't know. <laughs> but it's not me anymore. I'm not, I'm not dirtying my hands with the Daily Mail anymore. I've, it's gone. <laughs> Hooray. I did once uh, buy a Guardian for them instead. <laughs> Left that outside. That went down like a lead balloon. There you go. Practical application. Be nice to someone. I'll be nice to my mum. You can be nice to anyone that you like and see if okay. it changes your opinion of them. Okay, right. Challenge accepted. There we go. I'm off to go and be nice to someone. See ya. <laughs> could start with could start with me, Nat. Oh god. <laughs> right, come on then, let's move on. Whoa! It's a Greg Wallace moment. <laughs> Ooh. Right. Greggy Wee Here there. Here we go. <laughs> Greggy Wee. <laughs> now, um, I've got a, a sort of a bracketed uh, Greg moment here. Awesome. It's, it's kind of like a little, again, like a little taster. Um, so here we go. <clears throat> this is a, an essay um, about uh, vegetarian food. So Linda says, regardless of your views about feeding vegetarian foods to dogs, I think that we can all agree that food that is labelled vegetarian should actually be vegetarian. That's the the starter. That wasn't my wow moment. This is my wow moment. The point of this essay is not to argue brackets again, close brackets, whether or not dogs have an absolute requirement for meat in their diet, open brackets. Here's a hint. They don't. Close brackets. Done. That's it. Wow. <laughs> that is a Greggy moment, that is. That is a Greg moment. It's not even, it's not, it's just like a little aside in an introduction of a different essay, but I just loved the way she wrote it. She's like <laughs> harping back to the same thing. Like, you know, I've told you this thing once. Let me just tell you it again. <laughs> and again. <laughs> right. So mine is so, uh, we, we, we actually touched on my greg wallace moment a little bit um in the interview um so i'm i've kind of switched but what are your thoughts on extinction now not extinction of the planet but extinction in terms of uh dog training um, well well i think that if i'm looking at this the sort of terminology as in j- simply using extin- extinction i think there's a lot of um uh risk of frustration yeah and that that was that was the the, the thing that i read which have, is, I, spo- have I spoiled you no no no, no 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 <laughs> not at all no because that's that that, that was the thing i mean it, that that's exactly what i think about anyway before i read the book but i love the way that it was written out here um she was talking about so uh stopping a dog from jumping up in terms of like you know turning their back on and yeah and, yeah and and you know ignoring basically um and yeah the fallout potentially being a more distressed more frustrated dog that's just jumping up going oh my god I'm gonna you something. which is obviously where we don't want to put our dogs so yeah. what should we be doing instead is um in my humble opinion anyway teaching them an alternative behavior something else to do instead so rather than falling on extinction which i think seems logical sometimes it's the classic if uh, you know i uh, if i do a jumping up one-to-one or something like that which i do a fair amount of i'll be honest um most people will always say 
and I've tried turning me back on them. I've tried leaving the room and yeah. calming them out, you know, but it doesn't work. And that's because we're not really showing the dog what to do, are we? And uh, yeah, um, they called it something else, actually. I can't, a response substitution. Have you ever heard that yeah. before? Yeah. I liked that. Like that was really nice. And DRI, so differential. Uh, no, uh, it's reinforcement of an inca- incompatible behavior, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, that's a really nice point. So, extinction as a theory should form part of what we're doing, but if left to it on its own, you know, used solely, I, yeah, is problematic. And the reason that it sort of harked back to what we talked about with Linda is it's kind of, it, it's, not taking into account or sometimes it won't be taken into account the emotion that you're dealing with and that's i think that's sometimes where science and can you know sometimes it's not helpful science you know it it makes sense but you know you've got to take into 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 account the emotion of the animal Um, exactly and yeah so get them doing anything else four paws on the floor that's always a good one i like that one that's my fave um sits sits you know um you know people have their own opinions about sits and things but it is a mutually exclusive thing so there you go that's my greggy wallace that's my greggy i like that that. (laughs) right so i have got a um in praise of dogs fabulous I do want to start, do you know what, I want to start expanding this out because it's always me that reads him, um, number one, and I think there's so many cool things that have been written about dogs like this. I've got these two books here, so if anyone knows of a, of a book that um, is basically either like poetry about a dog or um, or even maybe some funny things written about a dog or something like that, that they could recommend me. Um, I've got, I'm just looking now, oh, have you I've got, got one? a really nice one that I got for... Oh well, maybe you can do an impraiser dog because I, um, I, I, I had real high hopes for this book when I started with it, and um, and it's this. Look, Kim got me this four-legged therapy. Okay. How fur, scales, and feathers can make life worth living. Oh, that's a really thick book as well, isn't it? It is. Yeah. You got loads. Um, is there any nice ones in there? Oh, um, shall I try and do a thumb through? I, hang on. Oh, it's quite, there's little short ones. It's quite nice, actually. Shall I give you a couple? Hit me up. Um, When your life is precarious and challenging, yet you manage to provide some simple security for your animal, it is rewarded with gratitude, consistent affection and love. Oh. That's oh, nice. this is this is cute as well. Can yeah. I do two? Yeah, Sorry, I'm can. Yeah, yeah. stealing you got, your segment. No, 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 no. You've got some catching up to do. So yeah, you can okay. do five if you want. Um. So pause for thought. Six canine commandments. One, say yes to life. It will say yes back. Hmm. Two, explore the world. Begin on your doorstep. Three, find wonder. You don't have that far to go. Four, keep ears and eyes sharp. Well, springs of joy and compassion are all around us. Five, be loving. Hopefully others will be loving to you too. Six, seize the day, especially dawn and twilight. Oh, that is really That's good. nice, isn't it? Like that. Well, maybe we can we can share this section now because I, I found this the other day and I meant to show you it, but it's really it's a really nice book, actually. Yeah, I'm up for that, definitely. 100%. Fabulous. So that brings us to the end of another episode. Another one. Um, uh, Storming through. 
storming through. Um, next episode, oh, oh, actually, I can't really say what the next episode is because I think there'll be an off the shelf, and I don't know who we're doing an off the shelf between this and the next one. But next main show is going to be Jessica Pierce. So talking yes. about run, spot run, and the last walk. Bring your hankies. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Bring your tissues, everyone. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> it might not be like that. You know, it might be a, jo- a joyous... I am an emotional wreck most of the time anyway, <laughs> so it probably will be like that if it's anything to go by. But yeah. I'm looking forward to it, though. Me she too. really interesting. So. Yeah, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos of her talking on a few podcasts, and she sounds really, really interesting. So, um, yeah, really, oh, good. really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, so what have, um, I saw that Steve um, got interviewed by Mark. That was good, Steve Mann. I know. He didn't waste any time there, did he? He got that, straight off the phone to us and got on the blower to Steve Mann. That's like, we're like Scylla Black. Do you remember when she had like a wedding um, uh, for, blo- <laughs> was it Blind Date Wedding? Um, yeah. We've we've managed to, put, you know, put two great two brains together. together. So that's yeah. our first one. And then maybe we should go out and buy a really nice hat to celebrate or something. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah. Anything? What well, you got? Anything planned for the uh, for the rest of the week now, or are you just uh, uh, taking things as they come? Well, I'm ta- yeah taking things as they come. Busy, busy work time at the moment. I am actually uh, promoting the research I'm I'm helping with uh, that is Andrew Knight's research into um, caline and feline nutrition. So, if it's okay with you, I will share it on the page, and if everybody mm-hmm. can share it far and wide, that'd be amazing. And then you can all be part of some groundbreaking research into uh, pet food preferences, which would be amazing. That sounds really good. Yeah, I'll be yeah, plugging yeah. away at that this week as well. Cool. Cool. You're working hard still, are you? Yeah. What about you? You're back to classes and stuff, aren't you? So Back to classes. Yeah. Um, I actually got an exciting email from, so I've been talking to the dog training, the dog training college is it that was called oh yeah um and they they all want me to do like a little webinar thing for them so that's really exciting i'm excited that's fantastic although i had a look on the roster of other people that have spoken there and i've got no business being there so now i'm instantly nervous so um Uh, you'll be fine i'm sure yeah yeah what could go wrong what could go wrong (laughs) i just start shouting things like greggy wee or something like that (laughs) That's what could go wrong. <laughs> so, yeah, I might have to practice in front of a, I don't know, yeah, mirror. I was going to say mirror, but that sounds dreadful. Oh, I'll tell you what did happen. Oh, I'll tell you what did happen. Um, um, I've been having Peach off lead a lot more. Um, oh, yeah. She's done some really, really cool, um, uh, really, really cool walks in the mornings. I've been getting up quite early because it's quite hot at the moment, so... So there's not been a massive amount of distractions in terms of other people and other dogs around. But that being said, you know, you've got to start these things somewhere, haven't you? And you got to, you got to yeah. like, get, so I started by dropping the long line, um, doing a, doing some recalls with her in a, in an open field. That's not that, well, that many distractions. And now we're kind of walking through, I, it's called the airfield. So it's a place near me. That's got lots of um, like little pathways through it. It's beautiful. It's lovely, but there's quite a few sort of like small ferries and things out there and stuff. So she's on a long line when she's around in the thick of all of that stuff. But on the mm-hmm. outskirts, we were doing some, just some lovely off lead um, walks, which is just brilliant. Lovely. Really, yeah. It really made my, um, really made me happy. She's uh, coming on well, isn't she? She is. She's lovely. She's very lovely. Calm down a lot in the evenings as well, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You don't have to sit on your uh, your gravity chair in the lounge anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I actually quite got used to that. I think I'll be sad when that goes. 
the prison, <laughs> the other side of the prison <laughs> <Yeah>. gates. <laughs> right. So, um, without um, further ado, we should probably yeah. say a bye bye. Um, um, thanks to everyone. Thanks for all your questions today. That was overwhelmingly yeah, it was, cool. Yeah, it was amazing. Thank you so much. So and for all people. the lovely messages we get saying yeah. that they like you like listening to us it's it makes it makes our day so thanks yeah it's always good it's always great so thank you very very much as ever um if you know someone who likes dogs someone who likes books someone who likes books about dogs um you know send them our way or send us their way whichever way that works um rate review you know bump us up the old charts if you fancy doing it if you've got an itunes account and uh, you feel inclined to give us five of those lovely stars, go for it. Any less, yeah. don't bother. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Well, we'll see you next time, bookshelvers. Um, yep. You take care, Nat. And bye-bye. Yep. Bye. Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, it's just begun. Stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down.
And I can't keep you down, I know And it won't be kept down, we know It grows It grows